Welcome back, Pubcasters. Can you believe we are kicking off season six? Well, at least they haven't kicked me off yet. And for our season opener, we chit chat with Hannah Babbitt, founder and president of Babs, a boutique management company. In our conversation, we hash out her role as writer, manager, or in her words, advocacy. Hey, hey, welcome back, Pubcast listeners. Welcome to the AIMP Nashville Pubcast Season 6. Can you believe it? We're here again. They have not kicked us off the podcast network yet. And today, my guest is Hannah Babbitt. She is the founder and president of Babs. It is a boutique management company that she started back in 2020. But my friend, Hannah, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you with us. I always have this when uh, I work with somebody. There's my little disclosure note. We do work together. She is a consultant for Big Machine Music out in LA, but also in Nashville. So we'll get into a little bit of that too. So there's my disclosure statement. I am curious. I, I, I think I should know this because we do work together, but I don't really. How did you get your start into the writer, producer, management? What made you decide to start your own company? So I never expected to, one, represent songwriters and producers, and two, start my own company. And just by happenstance, both seemed to occur. I went to NYU, and I started NYU without any idea of what I wanted to do. Year one of NYU, it's, it's quite a personal situation, but my family was dealing with the financial crisis. And while I was in school for just general studies, my, my dad had actually started managing a band um, as a way to make it through a really hard financial moment for him. He was in a rough spot, and one day I got a call that the band was doing a show in, in Florida, and I flew down just to go help my dad. I had no intention of going into the music business. And as I stood there and I was selling these artists to fans being there, and I, I didn't know much about them, but what I did know, I, I really turned it on, really in an effort to help my family. I realized that that was my passion and that that moment forward, I would go into the music industry and I was going to be representing talent. The next day, I actually transferred into the Clive Davis Institute for Recorded Music, where I learned everything and I was surrounded by immense talent. And I learned every aspect of the industry. So I graduated from NYU a semester early and moved out to LA where I started working for a legendary executive, Gary Gersh, and another legendary executive, Bill Bennett. And they taught me a lot of what I know now. I was managing Billy Talent, Death from Above, Mastercraft, Tears for Fears, a bunch of incredible artists and bands. But I was so bad at my job. And I now <laughs> know what I'm good at and know what I'm not good at. And for me, artist management of bands of that level, it, it just was not my, my sweet spot. So as Gary moved on to become the president of talent for AEG, he asked me what I wanted to do next step. And I told him that I wanted to work with, with songwriters. I wanted to represent songs and advocate for songwriters. And I moved on to a company called Pulse, where I really built my career as a publisher in the pop sphere. Um, I worked again with immense talent, Bonnie McKee, J.R. Rodham, Matt Rad. I also signed my first act who has gone on to be my first management client and 
we have built this incredible thing together. His name is Leroy Clampett. Um, and from there, it just, it, it evolved. And I, I went on to work at another management company um, where, again, we built this incredible thing. And then COVID hit and I had the opportunity to bet on myself. And I did that. And I had clients that decided to bet on me as well. And that's something I will never take for granted, having clients that believe in you enough where they decide they're going to join this potential empire that you are trying to build. So that is what got me here. <laughs> that's a hell of a, I didn't know the, the dad part. I, I knew the Clive Davis part and Pulse, but uh, that is super impressive. You've quite had a, yeah, I too dabbled in artist management and quickly learned that that is not my sweet spot either. The Nashville trend is to typically jump into a music publishing role, but you started at one of the premier like Pulses. They're just badasses. So you, yeah. you, you stumbled right into a killer company to kind of learn learn the ropes. So out of curiosity, did you ever think about getting into publishing or did it was it just always the management side that, that you thought you would work in? You know, I, I thought about publishing and obviously I worked in it for several years. Um, for me... I am just innately a manager. I like to manage every situation. So I think there's a big difference that I've seen as it relates to LA versus Nashville. And in Nashville, publishers are king. Publishers run all, they run the calendars. In LA, managers are the ones to do that. So I almost think managers and publishers have the same role. It just depends on the location and the team that you have around you. You mentioned your role, like, how would you define if I came to you, like, what would your role? I, I'm a published writer. I have a pretty decent team. But if I came to you and go, man, here's what I'm looking for. How would you describe what you do to me? I mean, in one word, strategy. Everything is strategy. So it's as it's starting with creating and cultivating relationships on behalf of my writer, knowing what situations they are ready to get into so that they are in a position to succeed. I am a matchmaker of songwriters and artists, and I know not only my own client skill set, but I can tell you the skill set of the majority of the writers and producers in the music industry. And having that knowledge is priceless. And then being able to, again, put them in a position to succeed, then getting the song, pitching the song, if that's the case, if it's already with an artist, it's strategizing with the artist team on if release is possible, how to properly execute release, how my team can help with that execution. And then the final step, which is the most important step, and I cannot enforce this enough how important it is to have a manager who knows how to do that, and it's collecting money. Because you can write the best song, but if you are not collecting your royalties, or you don't have the team that knows how to properly collect on neighboring rights, on sound exchange, on several different aspects of the music industry financial process, you cannot sustain a life as a songwriter or a producer. So the biggest step is the last step, and that's making sure that writers and producers are getting paid. If I'm a writer, what are some things I should be paying attention to to make sure I'm collecting? Let's just flag those things for them. Like, what are what are your top like three or four? Or, like, make sure you're doing this, this, and this to make sure you're getting your income. Probably the most important is ask questions. Ask so many questions, and 
again, that's what I've seen with Big Machine as publishers that I have so much respect for. Everyone on the Big Machine team can answer these these questions that songwriters have about royalty rates and what's happening in legislation. And I think most important, you're not expected to know everything, but being able to ask the right questions to the right people is very important. If you are a producer collecting royalty points, and now a lot of songwriters are getting it, which is incredible. I know some of my songwriters get points on records that people really want. It's understanding sound exchange. It's understanding what you need to do to get set up to get paid with the major labels. It's also creating really strategic terms and agreements with these artists. Um, We are in an era where TikTok is dominating, especially in, in pop music, I can speak to. And a lot of these artists are not yet signed. So how do you create the best deal so that you are protected if your song blows up with these artists on TikTok, but you're not overquoting them in a moment where they may not be able to afford a huge budget. So it's really coming up with creative ways of formulating deals. And that's something that I spend way too much time thinking about and have created so many models for my writers and producers of, look, right now you may not get paid a lot, but if this artist becomes as successful as we think, we're betting on them early and we have everything in place so that you get paid if it takes off. As you mentioned, it's coming a little slower to Nashville, but more and more artists are in that space. And we're in the same process of making sure we we don't shoot ourselves in the foot, but make structured deals that make sense, that are creative and open, that have a, a strong back end for everybody to, you know, if you put in the sweat equity, everybody wins in the end. I love to touch on, because it's coming, um, you mentioned some writers are getting some points on records. How it... As much as you can share, because I'm sure some of it's in, in confidence, but how much can you share? On, how are those looking? How are those structured right now? And how do you think it's best structured? That's kind of a two-parter. I mean, the way that I like to look at these relationships with a lot of the TikTok artists and the developing artists is, as a company, we try to find a way to make it work. And there does have to be a give on both sides. It all comes down to the song. And is the song a song that everyone believes in, the artist side, my side? And if so, we figure out a structure that is fair but makes sense to everyone. It's not happening as regularly as I would like to see it, but I can say that I am one of the people that is advocating for that change, and I I love fighting that fight for my songwriters. Um, If we look at it on a very basic level, a song would not exist without the top line or the lyrics and the melodies. And for some reason, songwriters have not been taken care of over the years. And I do see a shift and a change starting to happen. My hope is in five years, it is the norm that producers receive their fee and points, songwriters receive their their fee and points, um, engineers, mixers, like there needs to be more of a piece of the pie allocated towards songwriters. And it's something, again, that I think about constantly. Yeah, we, we definitely spent a lot of time in my my friend groups trying to work out and sharing what I'll say, you know, Nashville's very uh, cohesive as a, as a unit and a community. And we've 
all been sharing like our experiences and what we're seeing and we're trying to come up with a somewhat of a blueprint where we can uh actually pull all this together in a way that that makes sense for everybody so everybody wins not to be uh money grabbing which i do see and some people are definitely trying that but yeah i love that that you're advocating for that i know everybody's trying to do the same and and again i think it all comes from a sincere honest place and i see i see everybody kind of looking at including the majors is just how and and that's going to work out we haven't seen specifically as much as we'd like yet let's jump into a little bit more of the creative side so you mentioned you kind of do a lot on the administrative side and how involved are you in with your uh, client base on the creative side? Like, are you involved on that side as well? I am. But again, I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not good at. There's a reason why I am not a songwriter or a producer. Um, and I, I let the songwriters and the producers do their thing. Now, if I hear a potential pop hit, but the production is wrong, I will tell the producer, try stripping back the track try doing this or let's hand it off to to someone else who can do it. So I'm involved in the creative, but I'm not sitting back tying people intricate technical advice as it relates to production. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of the same. People have asked me like, uh, what qualifies you to do what you do? Okay, I got no qualifications other than <laughs> I'm a mad consumer of music and I know what sounds good and doesn't. And at this point, as of actually this week, I'll have 30 years in the music business. So I, I don't know, man. Uh, uh, yeah, there's, uh, but I'm like you. I know my strengths and weaknesses, and uh, I find many of us. It takes us a while to figure that part out. But uh, I'm an encourager, um, a yeah. cheerleader, and I can definitely hear potential. That's what I always yeah. say, man. There's something here. If we just play with that a little more, uh, we could we could make this a a big hit. And uh, thankfully, I've been right. I don't know if yeah. I've been right more than I've been wrong, but I've been right enough that people listen to me. <laughs> well, look, ultimately, we're in an opinion business, so who knows we're all just giving our opinion based on being lovers and consumers of music yeah so uh do you have any degree in like therapy i find that we spend a lot of time with our clients on our couch and managing their expectations and their personalities do you have a special skill set in that and how do you handle because i i I know some of your roster and they're uh, definitely uh, highly emotional and amazingly talented. So how do you uh, work with them on that side? I do not have a degree in psychology. Um, I minored in anthropology, which is very interesting. Um, but I honestly, moving forward, I do think that music degree should have some level of psychology involved because if you think about it, the emotional people in the music industry are the songwriters. They're the ones writing the songs. I feel responsible to make sure that my writers are okay emotionally, mentally, financially. I mean, it's it's all encompassing. And I, I think that that's probably a, a major responsibility of my job is making sure that I am keeping track of my writers. And I care a lot. Over the years, I've, I've learned certain tactics, but I do not have a degree in psychology. <laughs> I'm like three hours shy of a minor in psych because I started <laughs> off as a marketing major and they were like, you need to be a, get a sociology or a psych degree. So I, uh, I am, I'm a few hours shy. But yes, leads me to a, 
Another great question. What draws you personally to the talent you work with? What do you see in them? It makes you go, man, I got to work with that person. For me, it's gut instinct. I could tell you within five minutes of meeting someone if we are the right fit for each other. And I'm a big believer that I am not the right manager for everyone. I know the people that I am going to succeed with. And it is all gut. It's listening to their music. I tend to hear melodies first. So it's listening through their their music, melodies, lyrics, or production. But more than anything, it's who do I feel personally connected to where I will go above and beyond to help them to succeed and win. And that's that's kind of it. I mean, I, I, I've signed many writers where they had no hits. They had no cuts. But I knew that they had the potential and the drive and the passion. And I had the same matching their level of passion and drive. And we have gone on to build such incredible stories together. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying it's 100% gut first and foremost. And then like when I hear a song, I'm more of a lyric person. Uh, like you, it's it's hard to like really go like dissect the two, lyric and melody, but I, I, I'm always drawn to words uh, personally. But when I see somebody that has that raw, and I love finding the undiscovered, I like giving them a chance. My, throughout my career, I've signed a number of people that have gone on to be successful. Generally, not in the deal I signed them to, but you know, it takes a minute. Uh, <laughs> but I, I'll knock on wood. I, I like the fact that I have a gut on that. But I love the fact that that I have to. They have to be in it with me. Uh, being teachable is a, a one thing I always say, and the other one is they have the draw. I know that they want it. There's no backup plan. I always knew I was going to do music from a very young age, never veered from my path. And man, I just love giving people those opportunities. And when they see it as that, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be your champion. Like, let's do this together. Oh, man, there's nothing better when you see that eye to eye and you know it, you know, synced up on that. There's nothing better. And I think it it's why the beginning of my story is so important. And a conversation that I've had with my dad in the past, and is he comfortable with me sharing that part of my story? Because not much has changed. In that moment, I was there for someone who needed me to advocate for them in a moment where they needed it the most. And that is what I have continued to do throughout my career. I advocate for writers, producers, who even artists at times, who just need that person to fight for them. Um, and I just haven't really strayed from that mentality. And it's what drives me personally and passionately in this industry is let me fight for that person. Let me help them elevate and I will go above and beyond to make that happen. 100%. Uh, it's, it's that, you know, a lot of times writers come to me and they'll ask advice, like, should I sign with X, Y, or Z? And my first, first question to them is, which one really believes in you? Like you want to go with the person. I don't care if they're at a major, if you find the person that believes in you, I, I think we're all like that. Like I remember getting the business when the first publisher, my, one of my longest mentors and friends, Jeff Carlton gave me that and said, man, you're going to make it. I believe in you. That changed my life. Like I was like, oh, wow. So you find that person that's going to get in the trenches with you and believe in you, whether they're working with you or not, you know, but you want to start with them uh, hopefully working with you. So I think that's super important where that that unique vibe is there, you know, where you guys get along and, and it all works. Another question is, 
because I know you work with producers as well. I'm curious, what, what do you think makes a great producer? What makes the, the producer that you know is going to be able to go to that next level? It's not really a tangible thing, I think, sometimes. No, I, again, I think it's really owning your space and what you know you're good at that's different from everyone else. It's also being collaborative and versatile, but knowing when a production is out of, out of your lane and when to pass it along, not being too precious. So I think being collaborative, but being unique and owning how unique you are is what makes a great producer. I also want to ask, because I've heard a little bit, you've touched on it here, but what what is your drive? What is your passion in this business? So obviously my passion, my drive are the songwriters and producers that I represent, but a a specific thing that makes me wake up excited to work in the morning is the team that I have developed over at my company, Babs. And being a leader to these two exquisite young women that have become powerful executives um, and being able to help them and teach them, that's something that is very fulfilling for me. Um, To watch them come through the doors not knowing the writer-producer world and now to be able to do the job sometimes better than I can do it is just so impressive and it's it's something I I love to do. Um, And being able to boost young women. I mean, when I was coming up, being a woman in the music industry as an executive was not always easy. And I don't play that card often, but there were moments where I just needed some support and just needed some mentorship. And I'm a big believer in doing things differently than sometimes I was treated. And for my two executives that work with me, not for me, with me. I like to be a role model and a mentor in every way they need. The AIMP Nashville Pubcast is hosted by yours truly, Tim Hunzey, producer Brandon Harrington, mixing and editing by Casey Porter. And this has been a Dime Collective production. 